And believe it or not, time for episode number two of the Reef Lords Pod Academy. Uh, today, we're talking about uh, something that I suppose you could call it the hidden costs of property ownership. I know this is something that uh, a lot of people are worried about, particularly first-time home, home owners. And I am joined today once again uh, from Reef Lords by Dora Liu. Hello, Dora. Hi, Dave. Thanks for having me again. It's uh, it's a, an absolute pleasure. And uh, First and foremost, episode number two, so we, we're way ahead of a lot of other people because we've gotten on to a second episode, which is brilliant. Um, and I thought, you know, today let's talk about, you know, hidden costs in, in terms of, of property ownership because I know a lot of people, specifically, as I mentioned earlier, the, the first-time homeowners, that's something that they, they worry about because it's, it's not known to them and oh, what do they do? So... Where would we start with something like this? Because, you know, a lot of people go, okay, I'm buying a new house and I just need to worry about my bond repayments. But that's not necessarily all we have to worry about, is it? Absolutely. Because from the, you know, the engagements and encounters with our purchasers, we've realized that a lot of purchasers, especially first-time home buyers, they do not know what their responsibilities are after being an owner of the property, what costs are involved, you know, are they hidden costs? Because there is a fear amongst our first-time homebuyers that there are so many hidden costs involved in property ownership. So I think, you know, as human, we fear because, you know, we face the unknown. And if we know it well, then we're not going to fear on that specific point anymore. So, So costs, to be to be honest, in terms of property ownership, they are not hidden. Because you don't know it, you feel that they are hidden. But first-time homebuyers are not aware of the costs involved. So now, once again, the bond payment is not the only thing like you mentioned. So this episode is really going to guide our homebuyers on the common costs and And before they make the decision to buy the property, they can make informed decisions and they can, you know, um, manage their budget before buying. I think that's absolutely, it's a phenomenal idea. And I'm so glad we're doing something like this because, you know, if if you're in the property industry, in the property market, a lot of the the acronyms and the the little letters of everything, I mean, I know it happened to me before. I just didn't understand. And, you kind of sometimes feel a little silly if you ask. So let's let's start off with with some of the the, the, the common things. Uh, like um, I, I heard uh, reference a little while ago to an HOA and a BC, and I'm like, ah, oh, what does all of it mean? Can you help us? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So when you purchase a property, obviously you become a member of either HOA or BC, meaning a homeowner association when your property is a full title property, body corporate um, being, you know, the organization that manages the sectional title properties. So uh, depending on what kind of property you buy, you fall under those categories. Full title properties being under HOA, sectional title properties being under body corporate. Okay. Now, there's the other thing that, that a lot of people don't get in. Some people get quite irate about this. And I, and I know, you know, I, I used to live in a complex and, and we had this as well. 
is you, you kind of figure out what's what's happening there. You found out who your body corporate is. Suddenly, on on your your your, your you receive a bill which is for levies, and you're like, what on earth is what, what are levies and why are they there? Um, and and what are people allowed to bang on these levies? Because uh, you know, it, it, initially when I saw my first invoice for that, I was like, but hang on, now you're charging me for for um, refuse removal on here, you're charging me garden services, but you're charging me for electricity, but it's a prepaid electricity. What are you doing? Help me out here with this levies. Yes, um, so you, you're actually going to be very surprised in terms of how many people um, do not understand what levies are, what they are for. So levies are really the costs that are responsible for running the the common property of an estate. So if you purchase, let's say, a sectional title um, property being an apartment within an estate, you're going to be also liable for the cost of running the estate in terms of cleaning, right, security, gardening, uh, the body corporate management and maintenance, et cetera, et cetera. Because once you're involved in the entire estate, um, you know, your liability does not only lie within your apartment or your property. It's the common interest that you have within the estate. So the levies are actually for running and managing the common property. Okay, but it, it can include yes. other things as well, can't it, your levy? So um, levy bills are issued by the body corporate managing agent. All right, so they will send you the monthly bill, and that can include uh, line items on top of the levies, in, uh, including CSOS levy, effluent, sanitation, water, electricity, or gas. If those are not prepaid. You know, some, some, some complexes run water, electricity, and gas on prepaid meters. Uh, then, then the body corporate won't really send you a separate, you know, line item uh, billing for, for those utility. But if you're not running on prepaid, the body corporate may actually come to take readings of the water, electricity, and gas meters and bill you in the levy bill as well. And another thing that I think homeowners need to be very aware of is that they might run into special levies from time to time. Let's say, for instance, if uh, the state needs a renovation or, you know, the paving uh, are deteriorated and they need to have an, up uh, an upgrade, then the special levies may kick in. And that is broken down uh, into there's so many units that are within the estate to share that type of cost. Okay. See, that makes a lot of sense to me because if you think about it, you know, you want your environment to, to look nice and, and, you know, you, you, you sort of end up taking for granted, you know, that, that the estate or the complex that you're living in, um, that there are things like, um, the garden service, the common areas, making those common areas nice. If you've got a clubhouse or something in there, um, so that that makes makes a lot of sense. But now, is this something that, as a as a as a new homeowner, um, is this something that you can ask about? Um, you know, whether the property's been owned before or it's a new development, can you ask like, listen, what do you think the levies are going to be? 
Yes. Um, when you buy or before you buy, if you are buying a previously owned property, then the chances are that they have been paying levies for, you know, how many years uh, in a row. So you can ask for the latest levy bill from your agent or uh, the owner that is selling his or her property, right? So ask for the latest levy bill so that you can understand what is your monthly levy amount is like, all right? And mm -hmm. if you are purchasing a brand new property from a developer, let's say for instance, then you can ask the developer for the estimates and extra line items within the levy bill. And a lot of, you, you know, in many occasions, you will be able to get the answers from the developer themselves. And uh, it's an estimate because some of the uh, levy budget is only finalized towards the end of the completion of uh, construction. So, but estimates can be given, so you can budget accordingly. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. And 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 obviously, one of the questions that uh, that had come up for me is like, you know, is this something that happens generally across the board? So, if you're going to be moving into a complex or an estate or whatever the case may be, this is something that you need to be aware of: the levies and the additional line items, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. That happens across the board. That's right, and it's by law that uh, property owners are liable for levies. But as a you know, as a tenant, you're not liable for levies. Uh, but be very aware that landlords can actually include that cost in your rental, so that you know you you feel like you're not paying. But in fact, you know the cost is also included in your rental, so you're also going to be aware of that. Mm, yeah, very much. So. I mean, I've had that as well. Mm -hmm. um, now. <laughs> Rates and taxes, uh, you know, this this does not apply, I believe, if you are renting a property, but if you're buying a property or a property owner, rates and taxes is, is something that also gets a little confusing. Can, can we go through yes. that quickly? So as a uh, tenant of a property, you don't really worry about rates and taxes. Now, that is also one of the most critical things that you need to be aware of when you become property owner. So property rates is basically assessed by the municipality. So they've got a set formula and percentage to calculate what your property um, assessment value is. You know, it's directly proportional to your property value at the time of the valuation done by the municipality. So they charge that and that is also a part of the revenue income for the municipality, for the government. All right. So you as the property owner is certainly liable for that part of the cost. And within the rates and taxes bill, you often would see the refuse charge. So refuse charge is basically the garbage collection uh, cost, you know, to 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 remove the uh, the bins, uh, the the garbage from the estate. So usually they come in trucks, you know, the pick it up truck. They come into the estate and then pick pick up from the gates, and that is the charge for garbage collection. So, so that's the second part of uh, what's going to be included in your rates and taxes bill. Now, thirdly, water and sanitation. So that is basically the sewerage, all right? The, um, the, mm. the gray water 
management, right? So you're gonna take into account that if you are purchasing a full title property, chances are you are definitely going to be paying for that part of the cost. But if you are within a body corporate scheme or sectional title property scheme, the effluent cost is going to be included in the body corporate. So the body corporate is uh, collecting that part of the cost on behalf of the, uh, of the municipality. Okay, that makes so, sense to me now. Because I was, yes. I was thinking. I mean, when I was in, when I was in the complex, I was like, "But how come you guys are charging me for a system that's already in here?" But now it makes sense. I mean, right. if you were living in in anywhere else, you would still pay those same those same fees. Um, less and less, though, if I understand correctly, electricity yeah, is being collected because more and more people are going onto prepaid meters, but. There are still some complexes where your water and lights, and I mean your electricity specifically, gets uh, sorted out by the body corporate, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, so electricity, like I mentioned previously, so it depends on whether you have prepaid meters in your apartment or not. So if you have prepaid meters, well, you're just going to recharge uh, your tokens uh, on the on the meter and it will run. But body corporates can collect on behalf of municipality when you don't have a prepaid meter or you're running common property electricity like the garden lights or the street lights running uh, within the estates the let's say the godhouse uh, that they're using electri uh, electricity to make phone calls or for any gardening purposes the lightings etc etc so these common property electricity will be built by the municipality and that is a common uh, you know common property account uh, usually the body corporate would include it in the levy because they like i said they do a, a an annual budget for for the levy account so it should be included in the levy already okay but, but once again worthwhile questions to ask now yes. let's get on to something that well certainly for me it, it confused me initially a whole lot um okay and, and we're going to go through some different ones if you don't mind because initially i thought it was just all of one thing but there's different things now let's start off with transfer duties now transfer duties what are they and and this is an upfront payment as well so please explain that to us all right, transfer duty uh, is basically a cost that is uh, sort of like a tax that's imposed by SARS. Okay, so if you are purchasing a previously owned home, transfer duty depends on the purchase price of the property. So for the latest uh, regulation in 2020, if the property value is lower or equal to 1 million Rand, you don't pay any transfer duty. But then if the property value is higher than 1 million Rand, you pay transfer duty depending on the excessive value over that 1 million. All right, so they've got uh, different brackets in terms of how much you're paying uh, for different range of uh, property values. So that is transfer duty. However, if you are purchasing directly from developer, you don't pay any transfer duty because your purchase price should already include VAT. So either you pay for VAT or you pay for transfer duties. 
Okay. All right. Yes. yes that and, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> and SARS usually determines transfer duty every financial year. So it might differ from year to year. Like previous financial year, um, the, the property value uh, can't exceed 900,000. Otherwise, if you, you're going to pay a transfer duty. So this year, they've increased the property value to a million rand uh, so that you don't have to pay transfer duty, et cetera, et cetera. So it differs from year to year. But again, that's a one-time, one-off payment um, when you purchase uh, a previously owned home, um, which right. makes sense. That 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 makes okay. sense. Um, so a nice way of, of maybe saving a bit of money if you buy directly from a, a developer. So we have transfer duties, and then another upfront payment that you often hear about is transfer costs. Now, what yes. on earth is that? Because I've just paid transfer <laughs> duties, now I must pay transfer costs. Explain this to me. Yeah. So transfer cost is also an upfront payment. <clears throat> it's a cost incurred for transferring the title deed to the purchaser's name. All right, so it involves attorney's fees not so much from the SARS, but from the attorneys, right? And um, the transfer cost is also going to include deeds office fees uh, for, you know, the paperwork and disbursements that uh, attorneys incur in terms of preparing all those paperwork. Okay. Right, so that, yeah, that is all included in the transfer cost. Um, but if you are buying a previously owned home, trans transfer cost will be borne by the purchaser. But if you are buying directly from developer, usually it's covered by the developer. But to be safe, you know, purchasers must always ask the developer whether they include it or not. Like for reflords, uh, we cover transfer cost for all our developments. Ah, uh, you see, I was just about to say. So, what about reflords? But you do. So you cover that. So that's another saving. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm 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 yeah. starting to like this buying directly from a developer more and more. Um, your bond cost. So that's another upfront payment. So so far, I've paid transfer duties. Um, I may or may not have paid transfer costs. Now there's a bond cost. So I know so I have to apply for a bond. But what is the the bond cost? Yeah, so a lot of um, purchases don't or uh, are not aware of this cost. Uh, that is actually upfront payment. It's the cost incurred for the registration of the bond of the property you you purchase with a loan. Okay, from a financial Ooh, institution. Okay. All right. Yes. So it's completely different from transfer cost. It's another. Uh, kind of cost that you will have to pay up front. Okay, so it also involves attorney fees and disbursements. Okay, it usually varies according to the property bond value. So let's say you purchase a property with the bond uh, with a bond of uh, six hundred thousand. It would be cheaper than the bond you took out for two million. If you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, yes, I get yeah. that. Okay, so, so just yeah. to get that bond registered, essentially, um, yes. and, and sorted out with the banks and the whole lot. Okay, good. All right. I've got so if that. you're purchasing a previously owned home, you need to bear the cost as a purchaser. No doubt. No doubt about it. No, you know, almost none of the 
sellers would be liable for that cost. But if you're yeah. buying from a developer, it depends on developer's policy. Some developers, some developers might include that uh, bond cost, but some developers, they don't cover bond cost at, at all. Uh, for reflows, now I know Dave, you're gonna ask me anyways. <laughs> I was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so for reflows, uh, certain selected developments are covered with bond costs. Some developments are discounted with bond costs. Okay, right, but, so but, if, but again, ask. This is always important. Yes. Okay. Well, that's nice. So, All right. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, you know, I think you're going to be just very aware of that cost and how much it is. But, you know, to give you a benchmark, uh, the bond cost for anything around 1 million rand uh, value of property, you're looking at over 12,000. That is just a market, you know, related uh, bond cost that would incur on, on your property transfer. But obviously, uh, attorney firms differ from one another. Some might you know, be cheaper, some might be more expensive. So it really depends. And then you really need to ask upfront because that is an upfront payment. And then you're going to really fork out that money, uh, you know, before anything else happens. Mm. You see, looking back at this now, I'm so glad we're talking about this because for a first time homeowner, um, you know, these, these costs, which as you say, I referred to them initially as hidden costs, they're not hidden. People just are not aware of them. But this could seriously impact your budgeting. And you need to be aware of this so that you say, okay, well, I'm not going to be able to buy the 1.8 million rand property. I need to maybe have a look at something for 1.4, 1.5, for example. But now yeah. we've, we've got transfer duties we've covered, transfer costs, bond costs. Now, on top of that, there's an initiation fee. What on earth is that for? Okay, it's it's actually a good question, um, Dave, because a lot of purchasers are very negligent in terms of knowing what initiation fee is. It is a bank charge, all right, from the bank when you take out a loan uh, from the financial institution, okay, the seventh F and B, and then that bank charge is to activate your bond, okay, and then it can easily cost a few thousand rand. But the good thing about it is that you can either pay it up front if you've got that portion of saving or you can actually loan it with your bond. All right. And then it's not going to cost you a lot, probably a couple of rands per, per, per month because it's divided into 20 years. Yeah. You know okay. All right. Yeah. So but if you want to pay up front, which you totally don't need to, uh, it's going to really cost another few thousand rand for you to take out of your pocket. Okay, so I would suggest um, if you are on budget, I would suggest you take it out with the loan. Yeah, I think, you know, if, you, if you're talking over a 20-year period, that's, it is a few, it's a few rand, so that's not too serious. Now, a little while that's ago, right. um, it's, if we just move on now, because now we've, we've sort of taken into account all the things that we have to, to pay for and where they all come from, a little while ago, somebody I know was, was, was having a chat to me, and they were like, I have to now get life cover to buy a house? What on earth is that all about? And I, yeah. I wondered, and I thought, maybe I must, I must ask you, what, what, why do they insist on life cover? 
you know, banks and any financial institutions, they are very risk aware or risk conscious. All right. So if you have taken out, let's say, uh, the bond value of a million rand, banks are going to say, hmm, is this person going to afford? And let's see her afford or his affordability first. Okay, so if the affordability comes in line with the bank's requirement, they give you the bond. However, what if anything happens during that 20 years? Let's say, for instance, you got COVID and you passed away. Who is now going to, you know, cover for the rest of the let's say 18 years or 15 years of um, bond cost someone has to pay for it and then that is why they insist on life cover now however you can take out life cover from your insurance broker or your, your own insurance company or you can take it directly from the banks so you're just going to weigh out the options which one is more economical Okay, but now this this actually you know because we, we we know a lot of people would see you know insurance and buying insurance as a grudge purchase, but this makes sense. This kind of life insurance because surely that means that if you were to sort of pass away from from whatever for whatever reason, um, and your family was obviously living in the house, the house would get paid off, and you'd get to keep the house. That's right. Well, it, it all depends if you are passing the title deed on to another um, person. Like mm -hmm. you're going to have your beneficiary for your will, right? Yeah. So if the beneficiary uh, of this property or this um, uh, policy is now your wife, then your wife can actually carry on with the bond payment. But what if your wife is a housewife and then she does not earn any income? Obviously, that needs to come out somehow. And that is what the life cover is insuring you for or insuring the bank as well. Okay. So, but then that life cover that, that you take out there can also be a separate life cover because that life cover is just to cover your property. You can have one for, for you know, an additional life insurance i'm sure that's right but usually it comes hand in hand okay all right then yes. then what else oh, 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 is there, there these other things i'm just trying to go through uh in my head and see your, your homeowners insured household insurance is that something that is a prerequisite um is it compulsory or, or is it just something to give you a, you know make you feel a bit better yeah, I think some property owners have misconcepts in terms of uh, household insurance versus building insurance. All right, so the body corporate as a um, as the scheme uh, as a whole, they take out a building insurance from insurer to insure the building in case of fire or in case of other disastrous events. All right, but in case of fire and uh, or let's say flooding which never happens really in South Africa. But, you know, it's uh, f for the building insurance, it really covers the structure. So if the house or the, the property is burned down during a fire, uh, it will cover the cost to rebuild the house. However, household insurance is different because it's covering the contents within the, the apartment. So let's say now you've got TV, you've got laptop, you've got phone in the house while the, 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 uh, the house was burnt down. Then obviously, you know, the building 
cover is not going to cover your personal belongings. The household cover will. So that's okay. why we also encourage our property owner to really, you know, think about whether they want to take up the household insurance. Mm. Well, look, I mean, in, in, in my experience, you know, and as I said to you, I, I know a lot of people that feel this way, that insurance is a grudge purchase. But let me tell you, the peace of mind to have a household insurance, and you can shop around, and, you know, insurances are not... You know, they're not hectically expensive. Uh, worth budgeting for, though, because let me tell you something. When something happens, and, and I had it at, at one stage when I'd let my, my home insurance lapse and the geezer burst, um, oh. the building insurance was happy to pay for the repair and the replacement of the geezer, but um, the, my, my laptop and everything, which was standing on the floor at the time that got soaked, was not covered. So, you know what, That's if you've got it. to pay a couple of hundred rand a month to, for homeowner's insurance, just make sure you do that. Uh, something else, and, and I'm sure you'd agree on the story, is um, it's, it's a very good exercise because you can say, well, they'll say to you, how much do you want to insure your, your contents of your house for? And you go, I don't know, I don't have that much stuff, maybe 100,000. And then yeah. they go, no, no, work it out. And when you work out what your clothes cost and this and that and the next thing, it's, it's, it's an entirely different picture. So one also well worth um, having a look at. We are, approaching, right. we are approaching the end of our chat now, um, but there's still something else. Um, connection fees. It's kind of like, you want to touch me for what now? What is a connection fee? All right, so connection fee, uh, basically it's a, it's a fee that is for the bulk services that are made available to the estates and usually is um, charged when you're purchasing directly from the developer. All right, so if you are purchasing previously owned property, this shouldn't really apply to you unless you want additional services to add onto your house. Uh, let's say, for instance, uh, connect uh, or fiber optic connection into your home, etc. So these would be the additional services uh, that you're paying connection fee for mm. if you're purchasing previously owned property. But if you're purchasing directly from the developer, the connection fee is basically for the bulk of connection on water, electricity, sewerage, and uh, fiber optic, et cetera, et cetera. So most of the, you know, most of these costs can be included already in, in, in the purchase price. Um, but, you know, just make sure before you purchase, whether there is a once-off connection fee. It is always once-off. You don't pay it monthly. But, okay, but that's also an upfront payment. Yeah, but let's let's just clarify because I know a couple of people as well who paid the connection fee and then expected to get uh, a free uh, a fiber service. The connection fee is merely to get your fiber connected. You're still going to have to choose a package um, that you want through the, the fiber service uh, supplier and pay that as well. So let's say your connection fee might be something like 100 Rand, but you're going to then get a, a uh, package from the, the service provider that's going to cost you 400, 600, 1,000 Rand over and above that. We are clear yes, on 100%, that. 100%, Dave. Yes, 100%. So the developer might have already included the connection fee for your fiber optic, but you're still liable for subscription fee, all 
All right. Wow. So de it depends on what package you're taking out from the internet service provider. It could be a 12 months or 24 month subscription contract. Then you get a modem for free or whatever the case might be. So the, the subscription fee is still liable by yourself as a purchaser. Okay, perfect. Now, I just wanted to clear up on clear that up. It is, let's be honest, it's a bit overwhelming, you know, when you first think about it. And, and, and if you're considering becoming a property owner. Um, but, but I think it's a case of better the devil you know than the devil you don't know. Um, and it's better to be informed about these kind of things. I mean, it's hard work owning, owning a property, but I think it's worth it, Dora. Don't you agree? Yeah. Like I said, so don't be afraid of these costs. Have that in mind before you plan to purchase a property. So make that informed decision, all right, rather than going into it blindly. And then this is what this whole episode is all about. It's to help you to uncover these hidden costs so that you know what you're in for. Absolutely. And the, and the brilliant thing about this series and, and the podcast is that we encourage people who are listening to this podcast, if they have any questions, uh, to contact Reflords and, and chat to them about it. It doesn't mean you have to buy a Reflords property. The whole idea of this is, is this podcast series is that Reflords is giving back. So Reflords is, is doing this to, to encourage property ownership, to, in, to, to, to actually um, help people to learn and to, to build knowledge. And I think that is fantastic. If somebody has uh, a questions, Dora, what is the best place? Do they have an email address to send those questions to? Yes, um, you're welcome to send emails or comments on to Catherine at reflords.co.za. So Catherine with a C, C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E at reflords.coza. Fantastic. Now, before we end off, um, one of the questions that we received from our last uh, episode, Seleka said to us, so tell me, why does Reflords build apartments with the same exterior look? Um, so obviously, Seleka has been, been paying attention to these kind of things. Why do you do that? Yeah. I think Selika just gave us a very thoughtful question and then she really critically, you know, um, thought on the design of our building. And um, with our, all our apartments, if you have paid attention, we have a very similar or identical exterior look in terms of our design. Uh, and then the answer to Selika is that we want to carry their bride, uh, brand, sorry, brand identity into our buildings. All right, so the design probably weighs as much as our logo, okay? So we have many elements uh, that are quite unique. For instance, the pitched roof, the face brick, uh, the mix of face brick and the plaster, the partial naked steel work, and uh, the color palettes, etc. So these are all part of our brand identities. Right, and then we try, try to carry these over through all our developments so that we are also creating that community, the sense of community uh, where when you notice that exterior look, you'll be like, okay, people live there, have the same type of values and perceptions, you know, with me, with myself as a, uh, as a purchaser. So this is why we are actually carrying this uh, same exterior look. And then she was asking, does it actually, you know, cost that much to alter 
the uh, uh, the interior uh, the exterior design so the question is not really about the cost and in in, in fact the design that we currently have are not the cheap way of building but we're still adhering to it because we want to carry the brand identity. I think that's also very aspirational, Dora. I mean, and, and I've seen some of the some of your properties, and and I'd have noticed that that that, and it's a very clean, modern look, and and it's something that obviously a lot of thought has gone into. Um, so you know, it's it's an aspirational, and I like that idea of the sense of community. I really, really do, because yeah. um, I think that's what we need. So, and you know, if, sorry to interrupt you there, Dora, but if we if we if we look at now where we are now, I mean, in terms of this this COVID crisis, we need a sense of community, even if it is just being able to wave hello to our neighbours and know that they have similar values to ours. I think it's very important. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. So, and then, and Dave, you could see you've been to our urban tanner development, right? And then you yes. could see the col the color palette, the uh, that naked steel work. They actually resemble our apartment uh, buildings as well. Although urban tanner is cluster development, but it resembles, you know, that elements in it. So that's what we are trying to do. Yeah, yeah urban, urban Tana in, in Sunning Hill, I got to tell you, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful development. Um, I got to see it before it was entirely finished. Um, and I don't know what's happened to it in, in terms of in terms of COVID and everything, but uh, the finished product is going to be stunning. And uh, if you get a chance, pop onto the Reflords website. That's reflords.co.za. Check out some of their properties. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, before we go... Um, one thing, Catherine at reflords.co.za. If you have any questions about uh, this podcast, any questions you'd like to ask about property, property development, anything like that, if it's got to do with property, Catherine at reflords.co.za. Dora Liu, until next time, thank you so much for taking the time out and chatting to us. Uh, it's been a great chat, this one. I think I've, I've certainly learned a lot. Thank you, Dave. And it was certainly my pleasure uh, to share knowledge with everyone and yourself, obviously. So I look forward to the next episode. Fantastic stuff. And that'll be coming along shortly. That is Dora Lou uh, from Reflords. Check it out. Uh, Reflords.co.za. Well worth it. And uh, what a great program. So glad. And uh, I feel so privileged to be involved in it. And to you, thank you for being part of our community. And thank you for listening.